0: everyone, and welcome to the Como Factor podcast. I'm Sonal Trevetti. And I'm Christine Strobusch. Change is hard. Transformative change can feel
1: overwhelming and out of reach. When you use the Como Factor as your guide, you will discover that you can accomplish more than you ever thought
0: possible. Join us on this journey as we discuss real life, personal, and professional transformation stories to inspire you to take action and achieve true transformation with sustainable results. excited as we have a wonderful guest with us today, Mark Algar. Mark has led such an interesting life. And right now we have the pleasure of sitting down with him over a cup of coffee, and getting a glimpse of a couple of transformations that he has gone through. Mark is a true Canadian, born in the Yukon Territory, which is just adjacent to Alaska. And he also did his university education in that area. Um, Mark, I understand that with your formal university education, you received a double honors bachelor of mathematics in computer science, combinatorics, and optimization. From the University of Waterloo. Now, the computer science is pretty straightforward, and most people would understand what that entails. What is combinatorics? What did you learn and apply when you got a degree uh, in something like combinatorics and optimization?
2: Well, b- basically, thanks. A very good question. Uh, optimization is how do you put pieces together in a in a better way, a more efficient way? Combinatorics is simply how do you count and counting one, two, three is easy. But if you're counting the number of people or the number of grains of sand on a beach, uh, you sometimes need higher level of mathematics. But it's basically how do you count and then how do you optimize how those things behave together? So combinatorics and optimization, it's really something that's often called operations research in some places or Uh, And it's the engine of business transformation, as I found out after I graduated.
0: So after university, Mark, you started your career in programming. um, But soon after, you shifted to improving the performance of companies, which involved a lot of what we do in the transformation world, which is around Mm -hmm. people, teams, processes and computer software and technologies. So let's fast forward just a little bit. And I know firsthand that you've spent a better part of your career working in business transformation. Um, Your passion, interests, and successes in business transformation have truly enabled you to travel the world. Uh, And from what I understand, you've had roles in Canada, New Zealand, the United States, and also France. And with all these experiences and travels, I believe all the skills that you learned were put to the test and very useful in your last position before retirement, which was transforming the engineering systems team at an industrial company. So you essentially molded this team, right, into a proactive, tight-knit, and effective team using a lot of change management strategies, which I just love. If your life story were to be published in a book, what would that book title be, Mark? And what would the cover say?
2: I would have to say tripping through life would be uh, would be the appropriate title Um, with tripping meaning perhaps day tripping, which is what I originally thought Uh, right after I got married. I saw a book on day tripping, Uh, but also the fact that life is full of faux pas and missteps and miscommunication and everything. And oftentimes some of the nicest stories are when I do something silly or wrong or uh, that has downstream consequences. So, tripping through life, I think, would be perfect.
0: That would definitely also be a chapter in my life. <laughs> tripping through life that is fantastic. Um, did you ever have a nickname, Mark, growing yep. up, or even now? Do you have a nickname?
2: For a, for a short period of time, I had a nickname, Marcus Aurelius, and and this was when we were doing Roman history in uh, in school, grade five. Um, And I'm not sure why, either because Marcus Aurelius is four syllables longer than my actual name, Mark, or because I fumbled the football on uh, on the team, uh, my class team at the time. In any event, after that year, the the nickname wasn't used anymore. So, uh, um, but that was it for a short period of time, Marcus Aurelius.
0: Love that. So what are some of your life goals Mark? Can you talk a little bit uh, about what those entail for you
2: uh, yes one of the most important ones now and and before is never uh, give up your your search for new knowledge um, so important when when you change uh, say from a uh, engineering type environment to a painting environment um, but always, I've, I've always uh, put myself in a situation where I can learn, respect those who learn more and listen, uh, learn, you learn so much more by, by listening rather than uh, talking. So those are probably the two. And uh, everybody makes mistakes. So I tend to uh, scratch my head for about three seconds and move on when I, when I make a mistake. It's, um, you'd be amazed how many mistakes you can make. That's one of the reasons I'm sticking with oil painting, by the way, is that if you make a mistake, you can paint over it it's much more repairable say than watercolors which is uh i tried that for a while 20 years ago and um i'm not i'm not good enough to be a watercolor painter yet
0: yeah i'm sure you're going to surprise us in the near future with that as well <laughs> well mark
1: um again i want to just thank you for uh for being here with us uh i think you and i've known each other for uh for for many years now, and I wanted to to ask you, as we uh, move on with the conversation, if you remember when and where we first met.
2: That would be in in Paris in a in a meeting room at the the headquarters of the company uh that we worked for at the time. uh I believe the environment was a meeting about a future transformation, if I correctly.
1: Yeah. Yes, I have. I have fond memories of, of walking down the, the street. I think it was Rue La Boissee, and then Champs Elysees. Just talking to you and, and meeting you, and and I think uh, you and I had a had a great connection from that first, uh, you know, from that first time. Um, you know, you and I've been uh, friends. I've considered you a uh, a mentor. We've been colleagues, uh, you know, for uh, you know for many years. And, uh, you know, there are so many things that I respect and admire about you. Um, and one of those is that you're an incredible, inspirational storyteller. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think you, you have this way of, of telling stories and, and you lean in also to your point about, about always acquiring knowledge and, and learning. You lean in to, to listen to others as well and you really invest in people. Um, so let's start with, uh, with a story. Maybe you could tell us about one of your, your more meaningful, uh, transformation experiences. And let's start perhaps with the, uh, the professional.
2: Okay. Um, let's start with a story that actually worked out because an awful lot of transformations, uh, struggle and sometimes only deliver part of what they are intended to deliver. So I'll start with a, a, a good story, a successful story, and then we maybe chip away at, what some of the other transformations that I've done that uh, have not done so well. And and this was a a transformation of uh, all the areas uh, of Europe put together for this corporation. At the time I entered the picture, there were 34 different processes, different teams in the countries scattered across Europe. And the intent, the vision was that all of these people work with the same processes on the same tool uh, and with basically uh, a consistency of of uh, team management as well. so we started off and and one of the reasons I think uh, I was successful is there was a passionate visionary leader, a single person who saw in his mind uh, what it was that we were trying to build and and pushed and cajoled and twisted arms and and made sure that the consistency of that vision, reflected itself in who he had on the team and the direction he gave me. Now, he happened to be a a senior man. He he retired uh, in the middle of the transformation, but before he retired, he found someone with the same vision, with the same energy that could carry it on. So I basically had consistency of strong leadership who I could use uh, to make sure everybody was in line.
1: So mark, um that I think that's uh, I think you've set a, a good stage here. I think there's probably uh, many people who work in in organizations that have fragmented systems or fragmented processes, and you know part of transformation is you know driving to that common standard set of processes and and technologies. So we talk here about this visionary. This guy had a had a vision. Could you share with us how did he communicate that vision? Because if the people don't understand the vision, then how are you going to get them to, you know, line up and, and make that vision a reality?
2: Well, he, initially he talked about uh, what he wanted to achieve through the heads of the different parts of the company. They happened to be um, area presidents, for instance, um, CFO, uh, other uh, very senior level executives, and there was not alignment initially, but he did commit to doing something that they all agreed. So, so he, he risked uh, the success of the transformation by saying you guys together are going to form a steering committee and going to make sure that every bit of our step forward will be sufficient and adequate for your line of business. Uh, So he trusted that the executives would work together in a team way, make compromises and go forward. So that was probably, um, he was a visionary, but one one person cannot cannot do a transformation. So he started building this team out, and that was maybe 15 to 17 people, each of them heads of their respective, and together they represented all of the areas that were going to be impacted by the transformation. So that was that was uh, key. And then the third one, the the third key, I think, to the transformation was was the, all of the aspects of change management. And he started communicating top-down, so make sure the executives are on board, that there weren't going to be any any uh, unaligned uh, communications or speaking going on that would undermine the transformation. So it started top-down, and I think the, the people who were working, and it was an order processing process that we are working on, the people who were working in the process didn't actually hear about it for the first three or four months. Until you made sure that the leaders were all aligned, at least on the broad scale, the detailed uh, work is what took me, uh, you know, a year and a half. And in and fact. That, sorry, you... I'm just
1: going to jump in here. Um, that leadership alignment is so fundamental when you're looking at, uh, you know, business transformation. And so I can imagine with a, a company of the size and scale that you were uh, that you were dealing with, that there was a lot Um, that this gentleman had to invest in to get that um, alignment across all of these parties. If you're talking 16, 17 uh, leaders across the organization, Mm
0: -hmm. um,
1: did you ever see that, um, you know, you might have one or two that really gave the lip service, but weren't on board?
2: Indeed. There was one particular person who was quite strong, had worked in a number of different leadership roles in the company and it was a little bit like that is an excellent transformation but it doesn't fit my business model so it's okay if i withdraw and and do something that is similar but we really are unique and and that took a a a bit of help um we we didn't ever agree with him stepping aside we said we're at the top level of the process would you agree that if you break down the whole order entry process from uh, lead management all the way through sh- shipping the goods and invoicing them, would you agree that it approximately works like this? And he would have to say yes, because it, it's textbook, right? Every single right. ordering process in the world works the same five steps. That was it from top to bottom. And he had to agree with that. I said, well, we haven't defined the rest. So why didn't your team get involved and work with us to make sure that it does suit your business? And we wore him down, actually. It it took a a good couple of months, lots of meetings. And we said, well, this is all we've got done so far. And you've just said it, it meets you, let's go. And uh, a year later, he was uh, one of the strongest supporters of the project because we developed a trust that we weren't going to do anything to torpedo his business. We are going to be flexible and inclusive. And in, in some cases, if you go down four levels in the process, You'd say if it's configured to order, you go this way, if it's a uh, ship from inventory, you go this way, and the the uh, nuances of how the different businesses operated all within a single process all within a single tool right uh, so it we got him
1: he had to join the team he had to get on the field and not be a spectator
2: yeah and, what, uh, uh,
1: yeah
2: what also helped is that is the executive leader, the basically the COO of the company worldwide, if there was someone who didn't appear at one of the monthly governance meetings, if, if that person sent a delegate who was only uh, say a senior vice president rather than themselves, uh, they would receive a physical visit from the executive asking what the problem was and, and why did he think that this key project uh, was, was beneath him. So we had such active strong participation I, I mean i took attendance of course uh, and that certainly helped uh, shame people into attending but we had the right people at the table every month again lots of listening when we got into change management one of the people in in one of the further areas from france said uh they came up with this uh, spider diagram for assessing the strength of the team members that were being chosen to fit this new order entry team. And it was so good at identifying either where we have to put in extra training as part of change management or finding new candidates who would have the right skills to be part of the team. We we rolled that same process out across the the entire scope of the project. And, And it was key to our success too. When you get down to change management and asking people who are sitting at the desks doing order management and saying, are you aware of the transformation? Do you know how your job is going to change? Do you have the skills today? Or can you take this course or this course or this course? It, it was on repeated. Uh, uh, I would say putting them in an environment where it was easy for them to catch on with the new process or learn. And and in fact, some people didn't fit the new process. Uh, and we made sure that they had other jobs that they could do that that wouldn't slow us down.
1: I was just gonna say, with you know, getting down to the the individual employees doing the work, it's key when you think about change management to capture their hearts and their minds, so they you know really embrace and and adopt the the change that's being uh, that's being implemented.
2: Yeah, and I I did not meet the timeframes of the project. All right, I I was six months late, and most of that delay was because I listen to people about their concerns their fear that this customer needs this kind of process we have a contractual agreement that we've got to do it this way and to make sure that they're brought into the into the team that we took care of it so the the overall project wasn't a year and a half it was two years um but the savings as a result were about twice what was estimated to occur so we ended up after it was over a year and a half after the project ended we were uh 40 million euros a year savings in a continuous uh, in a continuous way so so it's um you got to go fast but you you have to make sure that everybody needs to go on the team together
1: now that's uh for those project management uh People out there, what I've just heard is that the quality of delivering your scope needs to be more important than your deadline. In this case, so Mark, you know, and the team were six months later than originally planned, but this was a massive transformation. But they delivered, you know, some incredible savings for the company. So that was a a, good, a great lesson, uh, a great lesson there. So. You know, Mark. At the beginning of this um, conversation, you you talked about uh, you know some transformations don't succeed, and in fact, uh, we've got some uh, some data that indicates that seventy percent of company transformations actually fail. So, were there any notable failures that uh, that you've experienced, and and what kind of lessons could you share with our listeners from uh, from those failures?
2: Well, I would say. Uh, one of the first ones was uh, not getting agreement at the top, uh, and and this was a a large transformation that was going to cost over a hundred million euros, just just the cost of the project. And six months in, we had a fundamental breakdown in what the detailed scope was, and wow. the. The executives had not sat down with the leader of the team and agreed on on the details of how it was going to impact their team and what was the broad brush, uh, approximate process, what was the scope and what what was that they were trying to achieve. As a result, uh, the project was significantly uh, downsized, it was cut into pieces and the value was never achieved. And uh, as a result, some years later, the, the company uh, uh, continued to lose money and was sold. Mm-hmm. They, they just never went. So that, that was one. That was probably the, the most significant and something that could have been addressed in the first months if it had been done like the successful project, which is make sure that your your leadership team is on board and aligned at the broad level broad brush before you get into the details.
1: Right. Um, so when we think about, you know, delegation, what I what I hear you saying is, you know, these leaders delegated their accountability as opposed to responsibility. So they didn't show up at the table to drive that leadership alignment. They pushed it down and, you know, to people lower in the organization and uh, you weren't able to get that buy-in and alignment to uh, to implement the vision.
2: Yeah. Uh, a, a non-compliant basically to what was trying to be achieved right another one uh earlier in my career was where the the scope was clear uh but then after a couple of weeks of looking at it and and beginning to propose uh, what resources what talent i needed to bring in in order to do it they said oh no you have to do it within existing budget so the the scope was fairly clear but I was not given the budget, the extra funding, to be successful, to bring in the right talent, to bring in the uh, additional players that could focus on the transformation. And while I kept the business going, uh, my responsibilities, um, and, and that was unfortunate because I think we we could have more than returned the value of the uh, of the transformation had we got good budget. And and I would say also, if you're a transformation leader, don't allow people to say whatever budget you want, we will free up as we go. No, no, no. That is too easy for people to back up. Yeah, But I never said a million and a half. I, I was sort of thinking in my head, 30,000. And no, get a concrete budget, get a concrete plan. At, when I mean concrete, I mean at high level, right? You, you, the whole idea of a transformation is you don't know where you're going to end up necessarily in the detail, uh, get that in advance before you start. before you get your hopes up that uh, it's going to work out. So yeah, those were probably the two biggest uh, disappointments, I would say, on on uh, on my transformation lifeline.
1: Can you reflect on why do you think um, some of these leaders were were unwilling to fund uh, the transformation, whereas others were?
2: Um, I think partly it was. Uh, but I didn't have the information at the time. I certainly did uh, a year or two later. Uh, they were in a different place than what I saw. Uh, they were looking at getting the overall company finances in such a state that we could be profitably sold. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and certainly this would have uh, uh, different ramifications if there was a, uh, an expenditure uh, on the company's books that was millions of dollars and that had not yet got to delivering its value. So the time that they were going to sell the company was before, before you get the returns on the investment. Uh, I wasn't aware of that until uh, at least a year later, but um, uh, that normally there's, there's another agenda going on. If people don't get you with your program and you actually have a fairly clear, Definition of what the scope is that to you seems like a no-brainer. Um, then there's other agendas, there's other things going on, and and the best thing you can do is hold off on the transformation until you do get that alignment. Yeah, it's that's a that's some
1: very wise uh, advice right there. Mm. <laughs> very very wise. A number of our friends have asked us about how we were able to launch our podcast so quickly. I'll tell you, this whole experience has been new and exciting to say the least. Above and beyond having an amazing team, we use this incredible tool called Anchor. Sonal, why don't you share a little more about Anchor with our listeners?
0: Well, to record our podcast, The Como Factor, you guys, if you haven't already heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me tell you, first of all, it's absolutely free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor even distributes your podcast for you, so it can be heard on platforms like Spotify, Apple, and much more. You can also make a few extra bucks from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one easy-to-access place.
1: Like to do now is, is pivot because at the, at the coma factor here, we're, we're looking at true transformation holistically. So from the business side, as well as the personal side. And, uh, you know, again, I've always, I've always admired, you always have something exciting, uh, going on in your, uh, in your personal life. Um, could you talk to us a little bit about your, uh, more recent, uh, personal transformation journey?
2: yes so one one quick uh view into my childhood i was quite strong on art and english at a certain point in time and the the teachers were worried about my arithmetic and my mathematics that's sort really of so i got special tutoring to beef up my mathematics well what happened is it turned the card upside down and i be <laughs> Became someone who loved math and got my bachelor of mathematics and the rest is history on my on my professional career. But there was a little flame there, writing and art and building things and and creating with my hand that sort of smoldered for 43 years. And at certain points, especially when I was I was working in, in France for four years, where I got the opportunity to go to some of the best museums in the world and to and to see up close, uh, beautiful uh, paintings and sculptures and, and, and even beautiful furniture. The, the result is that I started painting again when I was in France. Well, you, know, you had to do something with your your seven weeks of vacation um, and oh, maybe one painting a year. And then I got back to the United States and I picked it up again. I, I found a uh, coach. And it wasn't only painting that I was chasing. I I got personal rewards from that, but I didn't know that I could I could be uh, successful, uh, that I could be good at it. So as I approached retirement, I had four or five uh, irons in the fire, if you will. I, I thought maybe I could write, um, uh, maybe I could write write uh, fiction. Uh, I thought I could be a guest speaker, telling people about my experiences in the project management uh, program management and business transformation. Um, So all of, all of these things put together, but then when I actually retired one by one, these options fell by the by uh, and I centered on painting, found a good coach, uh, Becky Parks in, in uh, Dallas, who helped me initially as a, in a class environment and then one-on-one tutoring uh, to get me, Uh, fast quickly up the curve transformation speed is important at the same time i was working for a living so the budget was taken care of all right i had money coming in that i could spend on classes and materials and and good materials that so I, i wouldn't be handcuffed by using lousy paints or lousy brushes or whatever um and then when i did retire got to arizona and uh there you have the Scottsdale Art School. What a delightful professional environment to learn, uh, really pushed me hard up the curve with some of the teachers there. And I found my uh, my next coach, uh, Susan Deal, who continues to give me inspiration and, and specific lessons and feedback on how my painting is involved. But the writing has never gone away. So that's where I end up in writing stories of my life, uh, such as I've shared with you today, but also illustrating those stories with my paintings. You know, I actually actually took a, uh, early on when I was writing these stories uh, while I was living in France, um, there's so many funny stories about all the things I did wrong in, in France to begin with. But I was looking for someone to illustrate the stories. And I, I thought maybe a sketch artist or, or a painter or a watercolor or something like that. And I looked and looked, but no one was what I wanted of of the people that I found. And uh, blink, blink, five years later, I said, ah, if I continue this course of study, I'll be good enough to illustrate my own stories the way I want, the way that I'm comfortable in a couple more years of practice. And indeed, that's how it turned out.
1: That is just, that is just beautiful. So you, you know, you've, you've done business transformation, you lived abroad in several different countries, you've become this painter. And I'm telling you guys, Mark's artwork is beautiful. And we will provide some, uh, some references to his, uh, to his materials in our show notes. Um, and you're a writer. So, um, I don't know if we've, we've told you, but here at the Como group, uh, we're writing. A fictional book about true transformation, and I'm telling you, it is good. Um, but what advice would you give us? Because this is our first book; um, it's a journey, and and like you said, you know, we're on this journey, and we will continue to learn and grow and transform every single day. So, based on the path that you've been on, what advice would you give us as we embark on this uh, first of many books?
2: Um, I would say, remember that the only impossible journey is one you never start and that's from tony robbins so uh just go just do it but along the way recognize that you're not the best writers in the world yet find the the most serious uh complimentary editor uh, coach mentor who can give you critical feedback who you trust to give critical feedback to you uh, on where you're, where you're, where you're, where you're weed. Uh I had the same thing. Uh, I actually have uh, uh, two or three people who comment on my stories before I publish them, um, and and they are sometimes extremely critical. Um, I have someone who's working on translating my stories into French, given that they're all about France. I, I have some people following the stories in uh, in French, and. They're saying I'm having trouble with the translation because I think your English original sucks. Uh, so, so it, it um, it's really neat to to get someone you can trust to join you in the in the journey um, and continue to learn. Uh, I look back at some of the stories I wrote ten years ago, and, and I'd be ashamed to publish them now. But I look at something that I worked on three, four, five weeks ago or even months ago, much better. There, there is actually uh, a significant uh, amount to learn when you're writing something that's going to capture someone's imagination and, and transfer what you're trying to transfer to the person. So just just accept that you're on the learning curve and get the best people to come in and help you with that journey.
1: Thank you, Mark. I, uh, I love that. Um, yeah, we are we are definitely on a learning curve, including this podcast. We are, uh, we are learning how to, uh, how to do a podcast. This is our third, uh, our third episode. And so we'll shout out to our, uh, listeners here and let them know that our expectation is that, uh, we're going to keep getting better and better each podcast. So we'll keep learning and, uh, and growing. So, so Mark, this, these have been great stories. I think, you know, you've talked about a number element, a number of elements around, uh, around personal and professional transformation. I hear how you found clarity, taking ownership, not only yourself, but that leadership at the highest levels of a business organization, taking that ownership and not over-delegating is key to a, a successful transformation. Having that mindset. I mean, I see you, you know, very seasoned veteran in life and you're seeking out coaches and mentors for these new ventures. And I think we could all learn something from that. And for sure, I will say, and I knew it when I met you more than twenty years ago. you are absolutely one of a kind, one of the most unique um people that I've ever met um you know you just you give and you invest in people and you you learn about their lives and you genuinely care and uh and I just want to say thank you so much for uh you know for uh for joining us and sharing
2: those stories well you're very welcome and uh... Thank you for the opportunity to to tell the stories.
1: Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Como Factor. To learn more about us, you can find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can also visit us at thecomofactor.com. Join the Como community and get free access to valuable tools and resources.
0: Sure transformation and sustainable results can be yours too when you apply the Como Factor.